I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. When we begin to focus on something and think, I have to have this, we are, we are instantly realize, we are instantly thinking, that is the source of my power. The re- I have to have that because without that, I'm not going to be able to do what God wants me to do. And that is, um, that is, that's what idolatry is. All right. Well, welcome to the second to last podcast of the year. Whoa. That's Whoa. crazy. I know. I know. Bum, 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 I forgot bum. to do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have awesome things to cover this week. Yes. Um, as we get to the end of both, both Testaments, it seems to get more interesting, especially the New it, Testament. It gets kind of cl- cataclysmic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you have the minor prophets throwing in some pretty uh, devastating things, mm-hmm. uh, mostly talking about the exile. But, uh, but yeah, then you have a lot of stuff in um, Revelation, the oh. Revelation. And I'm just going to say it right now, get it off my chest. It's not Revelations. Oh, There's thank only you. one Revelation. It is the Revelation of Jesus Christ. So if you've been telling people that you read the book of Revelations... <laughs> You repent. are wrong. Repent, so stop. repent. Stop right now. Repent. Just like there's and there's only one Aldi. That's right. Okay, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's the same. Similar, anyway. Uh, but uh, we uh, uh, we are going to be looking at Hosea, finishing Hosea. out the book of Hosea. Uh, we talked a little bit about that last podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are in Psalm 139 through 141. We are mm-hmm. looking at Proverbs 29, just a few verses in Proverbs because we're dragging it out, dragging trying to get out. to the end of the year. And we go through, in, in the New Testament, we cover amazing ground. Mm. We cover one, two, three, four, five books Whew. in one podcast. Is that a record? It, I, th- I think. I'm going to say it is a record. It's First John, Second John, Third John, Jude, and then we get started in Revelation. So... And um, and it's like I love this uh, because I'm telling you there is uh, if there was uh, the, the epistles of John are just chock full of stuff. Oh man! And then Jude, just a fascinating book. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna highlight Jude as much unless you do because I uh, I'm doing a Bible study on Jude. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, tonight uh, actually, but uh, not the, of course you're listening to podcast. It's hey. already happened. But it will. But you could find it probably you if go. you go back on Facebook, our Facebook page. You could probably find the the uh, Bible study. Or if you watch us Jude. live, it would be like a preview. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And the college ministry um, is going over First John. So I awesome. didn't cover as much of that. Very good. So you're doing that. Okay. That's... So there you go. And um, and Revelation is always fun, isn't mm. it? Isn't oh. it? Always fun. Oh yeah. So much. Our so men's much, group is in Revelation. So right now. much in Revelation. I think most of our love. listeners feel like we're living Revelation. It does feel that way, and I think people people all the time are like, preach from Revelation, preach from Revelation. I I, I really do enjoy Bible studies in Revelation. I do not enjoy as much preaching from Revelation <laughs> because it takes so much time to unpack. Yeah. And uh, and can't do justice usually in a sermon. Though I I, I have a few messages that are from Revelation. Mm. So anyway, we'll be uh, looking at uh, we're going to summarize some things that we looked at uh, in our reading this week, and uh, then we'll do some questions. Yeah. All right. We'll be back. 
All right, we are back. This is the um, what's the D word, Troy? Uh, the devotional, discuss- devotional thank discussion you. No, segment. Both, both of which start with D <laughs> of the podcast. You know, you would think thirty-eight episodes later, I would, um, you know, have that yes. under control. But <laughs> yes, and what we do here is we um, we take a moment to look at back at what we read and what the Lord spoke to us in that reading. And and I always want to remind people that uh, when you read the Bible, it's so important to jot down thoughts that God is saying to you as you read, or things that uh, you read in the commentaries or something, just things that's, uh, you know, I I know I appreciate people writing their Bible and highlight things, but there's only so much you can write in the margins of your Bible. Yeah, so um, uh, the, in fact, you could write in the margins of your Bible which devotional book and where you could find. Oh, that's uh, a good idea. I, I just thought of that. What? Just, right just this on this moment. podcast. Yeah, just on history. this podcast. I, I'm going to start doing that. So, huh. Anyway, yeah. Genius. Okay. Because eventually you get a bunch of different journals, right? That's right. So you can catalog your journals, yeah. and then you have little little markers inside mm-hmm. your uh, Bible that says, hey, look on page of this, yeah. and where I write a, a, a wonderful exposition. Yeah. At of, the beginning of this year, I bought a, uh, when Lifeway, that mm-hmm. antiquated company, um, was, when it used to, back in the day when they had It was uh, the Baptist stores. Sunday School Board. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. When they had um, stores earlier in this yeah. year, just another thing 2020 took from us, was um, I bought on sale for $5 a journaling note-taking Bible, and I've been writing it all year, and I think I'm going to get one for each of my kids and give it to them someday with little notes and stuff like, hey, and now, like your idea, I can reference my journals and say, there you go, you know, because I know my kids will be so excited to receive that someday. Someday. (laughs) I'm sure they're... Yes. We'll be fighting over it. Yep. All right. Well, um, I guess I'll kick us off. That's cool. Um, Man, ton of good reading this week. I'm going to stick to the New Testament with my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my son's name is Jude. It's my second son. And is he I, named after the book of the Bible or the Beatles song? The, uh, you know, I'll leave that to your imagination, but it's not the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually had never heard the Beatles song until the day Jude was born because oh. everyone would sing it to us. And I never, it never sounded any good from the way they were singing it. So uh, (laughs) it never interested me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But um, eventually after the day, yeah, uh the the day he was born, we were like, you know, we should probably look this up. So we did. And it's good. It's been playing in our house. Never, never stopped since then. Not to be a prophet of doom. But Jude comes before Revelation. Revelation. Well, I, I from here he is. Yeah, and here he is. Um, so I'm gonna a couple of my notes I took from from Jude because I love the book. It is I, amazing. I just it's 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 so interesting, and it's not like like First John. I love First John. It's because like every other sentence is like, oh, I can journal on that. I can think about that. And Jude is like, I can't journal so much on this, right. but it does give me like a window into things. So, uh, but I did, I did, I was able to journal on some of it. Um, and I have it here in Jude. There's only one chapter. So Jude six and seven, um, talks about, um, like it references the angels, like a specific set of angels, um, that the Bible talks about in Genesis six with the Nephilim, second Peter two, four and first Corinthians 11, 10. Um, and, um, just this particular set of angels that have been, uh, I guess like it, it talks about them being bound and like punished, um, in heaven for like the battle that or things that they've done. And, uh, very interesting, interesting stuff. But um, what I what I was finding, and I'll just read six and seven says, angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. 
just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Mm. A lot of big words there. My tongue is starting to um, kind of trip over itself. But what I'm seeing is that like God does judgment even on his own like angelic creations. Right. And um and I'm I'm thinking myself, and I've know I've said, I've said this before in other podcasts and to other people, and I've taken these same notes in other quiet times that I've had. But I just keep having to pound myself in my head that I do not fight my own battles with stuff, you know. Like I get, you know, as we go about, and it's not it's not unique to me. I think everyone has times when they wish like that they could j- just you know fix a problem or that they can um, through their own effort come out and like solve a problem or a relationship or whatever it may be. Um, but man, it says just a couple of verses later that Michael and Jude nine, that Michael and Satan, when they throw down, they, Michael doesn't even insult Satan. Like mm. he says, the Lord will deal with you. The Lord get at you. And, and so like if Michael, the angel, Michael is not fighting Satan why am I? Who's probably stronger than we who's are? Who's probably yeah. stronger than we are, right? And has a lot more access to God's <laughs> power, you know? Maybe. Um, why am I constantly forgetting to to let God fight my stuff? He says He will. He's He's the judge of all. He's mm-hmm. the one that's that's that has the power to defend me, and He says that He will if I don't do it myself. Right. And it and. And so often, at least in my own head, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> this person annoys me. And I have these like invisible conversations with them. And then I, I, I think if I don't say it to them in real life, mm-hmm. then then I'm OK. Then my heart is pure. And, and, you know, I don't I don't even think that's it. I think God just wants us to give it to him entirely. Yeah. And um, and yeah, so if God's own angels aren't exempt from this command, like why? Why am I? Why yeah. am I doing it myself? Um, and it's that's a very interesting like section there's there's so there's a much lot. there's a lot there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it, and this is a, a probably a good place to talk about probably i was going to say this for the question time but it's probably a good place to insert it in that uh, jude is a book who uh uses uh things from the apocrypha uses things from the pseudepigrapha uh and uh, and this is one of those things that uh, really sets it apart because it he is really in that that particular verse you were looking at he's really looking through the lens of first Enoch mm-hmm. uh, and it's a so you'll be looking at it and thinking where's he where's he getting these little details and and this nuance of this interpretation well he's pulling it from extra biblical literature and it doesn't mean that those sources that he's using are in themselves uh, inspired definitely does not mean that they are part, should be part of the canon. Right. What it does mean, though, is what he says from those sources at the moment he says it or writes it in there, he is doing that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So it gives validity to what he is saying. Right. So whatever he is referencing. So so you, you still can't even go so far as to say that what he read from the Pseudepigrapha, if you think about it like this, while he's reading the Apocrypha or whatever, we, he wouldn't call it the Apocrypha, but we, when he's reading First Enoch, he's not reading a book that is inspired by God. Right. But when he takes it and puts it into the context he does, at that point, it becomes the inspired word mm-hmm. of God. So, And yeah. he's not the only one. Peter in Second Peter uh, yeah. 2.4 does the same thing, yeah. draws from the same spot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Paul G- makes a reference yeah. in... 
it's just a Jude in such a short span of time. Yeah. He does it. He does it a lot. Does it a lot, <laughs> and and so so much so that you can see that he's very influenced by it. Mm-hmm. Which uh, which to me that's why I mean that's why I have it. I have the Pseudepigrapha yeah. and the Apocrypha and read through it and so forth. Well, it's, it's not any different from a pastor referencing a book written by somebody. Exactly. That's know? a great. That's what somebody used as an illustration one time. I'm using that in illustration tonight. Hey. It's that it's like uh, talking about C.S. Lewis. Then mm, we sure. quote when we quote his writing. C.S. Lewis said some really good things. Absolutely. He is is not the inspired not word scripture. of God. Not scripture, but it is very, uh, very powerful. Now, if Jude wrote something from C.S. Lewis into his book, then whatever he wrote then it would. would be under like, the inspiration. For, like mere Christianity, I, I would quote that mm-hmm. all the time. Right. And I believe, I think, just about every word that's in it. But right. it's not God's word. Exactly. It's uh, not authoritative. It's not authoritative. Yeah. But I do believe it. It is. It's it is, that kind of thing. It is. It is subject to error. Right. But uh, but but you, so you take it and you compare it to the authority of God's word, and that's and whatever holds up to the light of God's word is truth. Yeah. So it's good. Yeah, good stuff. Oh, it's me. It's I'm you, man. Uh, I have just uh, one verse from Hosea chapter ten. Uh, and uh, to give just because I love the book of Hosea, uh, and we talked about it at the last podcast. So if you haven't heard our discussion of of um, Hosea, then go back and listen to the last. We podcast. gushed over it last week. Yeah, we did gush over it a bit. Um, Hosea chapter ten though says this. He says, uh, let me go back to verse eleven. He says, Ephraim is a well-trained calf that loves to thresh, but I will place a yoke on her fine neck. I will harness Ephraim. Judah will plow. Jacob will do the final plowing. Sow righteousness for yourselves and reap faithful love. Break up your unplowed ground. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes and sends righteousness on you like the rain. I just love, I love that verse 12 uh, in the New King James and King James it uses the word fallow ground and, mm. and just the idea of breaking up fallow ground. If you've ever raised a garden and you started from scratch, I mean, you just went out and said, I'm going to start from scratch. You're going to, you, it's an interesting treat oh my goodness. Uh, to break up that ground we for did the that first this time. Year. Yeah, exactly. It was so hard. So you have to use the shovel. If you don't have the equipment, you got to use the shovel. You got to dig deep. Uh, and and you got to break up the ground, and you got clods and rocks and all kinds of things that have to be pulled out. But uh, but but there's there's an, an enormous amount of work that goes into breaking up fallow ground. But it is an incredible metaphor that God is using for the hearts of His people that have become hardened against Him. And what He has to do, He has to dig deep in order to prepare us to get us ready for what He wants to do uh, in his life before the rains come uh, and and before he rains righteousness on us that will help the seed to grow and everything that labor has to take place I I, I try to remember that in my own heart and, and in the lives of so many people when you see people who who have been hardened against God there's no there's no halfway coming to Christ there's no halfway just uh, I want to get involved with the church a little bit. It's uh, when those hearts are hardened, uh, the parable of the sower says that when you throw that seed on that hard ground, uh, nothing happens. And uh, and so you see that a lot. You see the seed go there and doesn't either, the roots are either shallow or rocks uh, keep it from growing or birds come along and, and, and steal it. Uh, when you want to see real work done in your life, uh, when you want to see real uh, righteousness begin to take. When you really want to reap in mercy, uh, you have to ha- you have to allow God to go deep into your life, 
and break up the things, uh, those things that you've had uh, hardened over time. And 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 you and you use the Word of God to go through and and to analyze what you're doing. And uh, that's I think there's I think in our churches right now that all that we're going through right now, I. I sometimes laugh to myself when I, when people talk about how horrible the time we're going through right now is. It's like, you know, you really have to be careful about saying how difficult our times are right now <laughs> because, uh, you know, there's no, uh, we're not digging uh, mass graves and burying our children. You know, it's like that, those things aren't, aren't taking place right now. We're not, uh, I mean, they are in parts of the world. They're not here, yeah. at least not in Jackson, Missouri. Oh. I'm still driving a car. <laughs> I still I still get gasoline whenever I need gasoline. There's still food on the shelves. Uh, maybe toilet paper runs light from time to time. <laughs> but but we we're still extremely blessed. Uh, but it takes. But if we do not respond to the things that are happening right now, if we do not take notice and realize that God has given us an opportunity to be serious about on being on mission for Him, then He will go deeper. And he will allow even greater things to come until he gets our attention. Mm-hmm. And my prayer is, is that he's that he gets our attention and we, we let him do the work that he needs to do in order that he might rain righteousness on mm-hmm. us. So that's what I got. That's great. That actually leads right into kind of what I was because when when this whole thing started and just continued and continued and continued, I started I don't know, just kind of being a little introspective and seeing like, what, what, what's going on? Like, is there something I can do? <laughs> you right. know, we all want to fix it. We all want to fix right. the problem. And it's not just now in time. If you I know. share the gospel with my neighbor, will COVID yeah, go we'll, away? We'll stop, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you have thoughts like that yeah. and, and you think, man, well, is there, you know, is there anything I can do? And we should be thinking that anyway, all the time, but, um, just how, to, how can I live in further obedience, that, that kind of stuff. And yeah. and what I just came to for me um, just really came to light in Revelation um, chapter 2, letters to the churches area. And um, and there's a lot of – I'm not going to like put a stake in the ground on how exactly I interpret any of this. Right. and um, but, but I'm looking through the letters to the churches, and I'm thinking about myself and my church and people I grew up with. And, um, and I see the church of Thyatira um, among – I mean – I, I see my I see my my life in all of these. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, but uh, in in the Thyatira one, man, um, kind of verse twenty ish is talking about the woman Jezebel, mm. and um, how like th- she was tolerated and tolerated, and, and she like led people into this like idolatry and immorality and all these things. And it reminded me because our men's group on Saturday mornings that we have um, little plug if you're a man and want to be in a Saturday morning Bible study mm. accountability group, that is a great thing to be a part of. I, I you know hit me up, I'll get you involved. But um, anyway, we're, we're going through Revelation and we're a little further on. We're in chapter like 17, 18. Oh, wow. Um, start at the end of the world. Yeah, huh? yeah <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it talks about the woman, um, the the great, great harlot, it calls her, and she's on a dragon. And it's like she, she leads the entire world into idolatry mm-hmm. is kind of her gig. And um, just just think that's been on my mind lately. And then it's got we've got this woman Jezebel who's kind of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's this right here is like, you know, you know, in chapter 17, it's talking about the rest of the world, the the lost world that just completely went to bed with her. Right. In um, in chapter two though, it's talking about the church and the church that has put up with this thing, not necessarily joining with or affirming what this lady's doing, uh, but 
but putting up with it and like allowing it to have space among them. So I'm thinking about myself and I'm like, what do I share time with? What do I share throne with and mind with that, um, they really should just belong to God, especially in his church. And um, so I'm just, I don't have like a fully set answer on that yet, but I know that I i participate in idolatry quite a bit um, with stuff, like mm. just with things that I own and the things that I think I have to have that are like a necessity, like my phone or my second car or my house, you know, like things that, that are really luxuries, you know, my fourth streaming service or whatever. And I, you know, when, when streaming services came out, I thought, you know, we'll do that and we won't have TV. So that'll save us money and we can put that money into, you know, some other, we can put good use to that money. Yeah. And uh, and then we're like, well, we can get the second streaming service. And now we have like three of them. And um, I don't know how much money we're saving now. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. no, but, but things that I consider to be necessities that are absolutely idols right. in my life. And I'm, I'm now in this place where I don't know what I can go without. Can I go without my phone? Well, yeah, except that it takes pictures of my kids and has access to I mean, my photos. And right. um, and so I'm in the spot of really just – I don't have an answer. I'm just knowing yeah. that I do that, and I'm trying to repent best I can. But, man, I don't have a good answer for what to do about how much idolatry I put up with, you know, in yeah. air quotes. Um, yeah. Well, I, I'm going to give you a simple answer. It would be none. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And I know, I mean, I know everyone said for so long, like, well, you can have stuff, but just don't make it an idol of right. it. But, um, but man, I just, I'm not good at that. I've yeah. tried so often. Yeah, I think, you know? I think that's it. I think, I think it's, uh, it's looking at, I mean, obviously Jesus used tools and resources and things not to anywhere near the extent that we right. I mean, do. He didn't even have house. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, but he used houses. He stayed. Yeah. I mean, other people other had houses, and he yeah. took advantage of. It. And so it, you have to infer within that that it was okay for them to have a house because he didn't say, right. "Well, I'm, it's wrong to have houses." Mm-hmm. And was and it's never even implying that God never implied that and used houses. I think the the what the the thing we have from the early church was is that they just made it all available to God. And and I I think that in our relationship with Him that uh, as we grow deeper in a relationship, there are a lot of things that you have that God's like, you're worried about uh, your iPhone, and yet you have this spirit of anger and unforgiveness in your heart that's much more grievous to me than your use of the iPhone. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that's the, the, the thing that in weighing those things out is, is really getting the plank out first, the, the big things, the things that we're, where we're not doing basic things like loving other people as Jesus loves us. And once we get to love and forgiveness, then, uh, because it, and my kids, your, our, my kids do this, your kids will do this. Um, and, uh, and that is they, you will say, Hey, um, they'll be like, Hey, don't beat your sister with that baseball bat. And they're like, yeah, but look, I didn't do, I didn't, I didn't put the, I didn't pull the pills off the couch, you know, it's like, or something, something minor. And it's like, focus on what I'm doing right. Right. And, and don't pay attention to this huge thing I'm doing wrong. And sometimes we get into this big discussion of, of, you know, I see people in the churches all the time, you know, does God want me to have this brand or wear these clothes or live, drive this kind of car and I'm weighing this out or whatever. And I'm like, you need to focus on how you're treating your wife. <laughs> you don't even worry about your brand <laughs> worship at this point. You, you've got some bigger issues. And we tend to want to deal with those things that we think are super important, but we haven't dealt with the major things that mm. God uh, has an issue with. Um, and, uh, and, and we see that in the church, the church, uh, the church itself, not being evangelical. And yet we're worried about 
colors of carpet and, yeah. and whether we should have carpet and right. or with what type of Bibles we use and those kind of things. But um, I remember somebody spoke to Southern Baptist Convention when we were fighting over inerrancy, and he said, uh, I, he says, I think it's humorous you're fighting over inerrancy, and you don't practice the parts you all agree that are part of the word. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, but uh, the thing, the thing about idolatry is, is that, and and I, because I do think it is needs to be a zero tolerance for idolatry. It's anytime you have a a thing in your life that you feel is idolatrous, you do need to push it away. You need to separate yourself from it, if for no other reason to show that you don't have to have it. Uh, I don't think there's a. I don't. I'm not talking about being hypersensitive about everything. I'm talking about when you really feel in your time with the Lord that you've let something get to a place where it has an unhealthy attachment to it. Then you need to remove that, at least for a season. Mm. And uh, I, I, that's just a good practice because that's. I mean, Jesus illustrated that through his fasting and uh, and there is there's just a time where you just say i mean you don't have to burn it right. <laughs> you don't have to destroy it with a sledgehammer but you can put it in the closet for a day mm-hmm. you can you know put it give it to a friend yeah. and say hey would you hold on to this i just need to do without it for 24 hours yeah and uh, i think those are the ways we work through those things cool but, yeah. anyway um i have something from amos chapter Amos. Amos. Amos chapter two. Famous Amos. Famous Amos. The, this is the guy who made the cookies. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Good. Thought it was sound familiar. Solve that problem if you were if you were wondering. Amos chapter two. Um, let me make sure I get the right chapter here. Yeah, chapter verse uh, two, verse uh, thirteen. He says, well, "Let me make sure I get that. Let me back up a little bit. I always have to back up a little bit once I look at it." Uh, he says, I brought you from the land of Egypt and led you 40 years in the wilderness in order to possess the land of the Amorite. I raised up some of your sons as prophets and some of your young men as Nazarites. Is this not the case, Israelites? This is the Lord's declaration. But you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets, do not prophesy. Look, I am about to crush you in your place as a wagon crushes when full of grain. Escape will fail the swift. The strong one will not maintain his strength and the warrior will not save his life. The archer will not stand his ground. The one who is swift of foot will not save himself. And the one riding a horse will not save his life. Even the most courageous of the warriors will flee naked on that day. This is the Lord's declaration. And here, this is one of those things that when I read it, I I thought this is where I, I feel. First of all, the image that came to my mind immediately was the image of Samson. Samson being a judge for Israel who just continuously did not obey God mm-hmm. and, and over and over and over again and took his strength for granted and eventually lost that strength. Uh, and we all focus on the cutting of the hair, but he he gave that up. It was The cutting of the hair was just symbolic that he had left God and therefore God left him uh, without the strength. That he, he forgot where that source of strength came from. Uh, and And we do that. So many times we we forget the source of our power. Uh, I I think that when you were talking about earlier about the idolatry, I, I think the two feed into each other. When we begin to focus on something and think I have to have this, we are we are instantly realize we are instantly thinking that is the source of my power. The re, I have to have that because without that I'm not going to be able to do what God wants me to do, and that is. Um, 
that is that's what idolatry is uh and 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 this is what's happened to Israel they've begun to uh forget that uh, I've set people do set people apart and 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 taken these vows and and made all these commitments to be faithful and now you are uh making it it's become hypocrisy um we start putting confidence in superficial things that we believe give us success and we fail to acknowledge the God who provides and sustains us. Uh, and when we're disobedient, uh, we leave God no choice to withdraw his hand of blessing uh, to keep us from idolatry and apostasy. Uh, we begin to believe that the fruit of the tree is greater than the creator who made the tree. And and when we begin to look at the things around, when we look at money and healthcare and governments and all the systems that are in place, people around us, the things we drive and, and say, if I don't have a car, I can't do this. Or if I don't have this, I can't do this. Or if I don't have this, I can't do this. Then we become that idolatrous people just like Israel was. And all God was looking for was for them to say, it's not these other countries who are going to save you. It's not a greater military that's going to save you. It's not your money or all these different things that are going to save you. It's me, your God, who is going to save you. I, I really fear for us as a people right now, uh, thinking that a vaccine will save us, thinking that political change will save us, thinking that we, you know, it's just, I can't, I mean, it's, it's almost crazy that we get into the mindset uh, that, uh, that these things will save us. But when you don't have God, what else do you have? Mm. And uh, and so I, I don't. I'm gonna. I'm not. I'm not, a, not trying to make a prophecy here, but I'm just gonna tell you something that I believe is just truth. Uh, we're gonna see the vaccine will not save us. <laughs> it may save you. It may keep you from getting sickness. This sickness, but there will be another sickness. There will be another devastation. There will be another destruction. There will be something else. Death is gonna come for you, and it's and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And when you think you found a way to stop it. God's going to circumvent what you thought to show you can't stop it and that he is our only hope. He's the only one we can turn to. Uh, there was an interesting study that came out that showed that uh, the mental over the past year, the only people who showed signs of positive mental health in 2020 were people who attended church. And uh, and I think that there's there's so much to be said for that because our peace, our hope, our faith should be from Christ. And I think that's the, the core of fighting idolatry in our life is turning to him to be our sustainer and our hope, which is the message from Amos for his people and the same message for us today. Awesome. Awesome. Well. Do you have time for another? Because you had one more. I I can. Do you have a third? I'll I'll throw one. You want to throw one? I'll be brief with mine. I'll be be real brief with mine. Yeah, okay. Um, Jude. Uh, again, is was kind of my supplemental one if we had time. Uh, here it is, 17 through 23. I'll just read it. You, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, in the last time there will be mockers following after their own godly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life, and have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Hmm. Um, And man, I I could preach just alone. I could probably stop. Uh, But 
But just like looking at the in verses 18 and 19, man, those those who say in the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lust, the ones who cause divisions, worldly minded, devoid yeah. of the spirit. Like I just turn on the it's TV. Like you're, it's like you're looking out the window. I'm looking out the window. Yeah, it's yeah. right there. And I know, I know. And we'll, we can save some of this for the question and answer time. But um, just like. I know that in their day, when it was being written, uh-huh. that they thought they were living in the last days, and right. they kind of were in a way. But, but man, I'm just looking outside, and it just hasn't gotten better. Uh-huh. We're just people think people devoid of the spirit, not talk, not thinking the way that that God leads you to think. They follow their own ideas. They're mocking. Um, the church thinking that the church is the idiots, right? Mm. The church are the ones that are um, not being reasonable. and um, But they're the ones following after their own, what it says, following after their own lust, div- causing divisions, worldly minded. We, we're hostile to that and they're going to mm. make, they're going to give us grief over it. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just, I'm, I'm there with yeah. them <laughs> really. I just relate. Yeah, and that uh, that that that's such there's such a great point in there too about not being very careful not to be dragged down by people who you are trying to drag out. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you grab hold of them, you have to be careful not to be yeah. seduced by the very thing that has taken them down. That's right. And uh, and just a, always a reminder because uh, that's that's the t- that's the danger we always face when we go into places and think we are. Um, this is a Star Wars reference. I, I'm sorry to do this, but uh, but, yeah. but I think when Obi Wan Kenobi thinks he's strong enough to take on Anakin mm. and and lead him himself and so forth, but still, so many references where we think I'm strong enough to save this person. People mm. who get married to people who think I'm strong enough to save them if after we get married, but but mostly just friends, mostly just friend relationships and think I, and and I have had that turn on me. I've thought I'm going to win this person to mm. the Lord. And then it wound up them having greater influence on me than I was having on them. Right. And if it weren't for God's grace, which I didn't think of it as grace at the time because it was an ugly severance of that relationship, mm-hmm. but it was like him saying, I'm, I pulled you out of the you fire. You can't handle this. <laughs> That's yeah. right. You were getting burned. <laughs> and uh, you were trying to pull him out of the fire. He's pulling you in. So I had to, I pulled you out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so anyway, uh, mine's from Revelation chapter one. And so. I know you already referenced a little bit of Revelation, but that's good. Uh, from uh, just to, just to point out something that God uh, showed me in, in chapter one, He says, uh, "Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me." It's chapter one, verse twelve. When I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe and with a golden sash wrapped around his chest. The hair of his head was white as wool, white as snow, and his eyes like a fiery flame. His feet were like fine bronze as it is fired in a furnace, and his voice like the sound of cascading waters. He had seven stars in his right hand. A sharp double-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was shining like the sun at full strength. Uh, the and, and John then says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. Uh, the... The imagery that is used in Revelation is is somewhat overwhelming, and and I think so often we get focused on the details, on trying to draw a picture in our mind of the white hair or white head and and fiery eyes and so forth and bronze feet and trying to think what would that picture look like, like we're trying to create the movie in our mind. But but sometimes we have to remember he wasn't writing a script uh, or a or a he wasn't a screenwriter for a movie. He was writing words to help 
create an image, an emotion, evoke some type of, the, of try, to try to describe what he's feeling in the moment where he is there as he is witnessing it. This is how it is playing out for him. Not like a like he's looking at a picture, looking at a scene, and he's trying to describe the scene in great detail and so forth, but really trying to communicate this is what's going on inside of me. This is what's making my knees knock. This is what's making me uh, terrified. And so, uh, and, and it's supposed to evoke both awe and terror at the same time. And, and, and I'm not saying that there aren't some aspects in Revelation that aren't literal, but there are things that are just clearly are not literal. And, and so we know that it isn't all literal. So if it's not all literal, then you have to always leave within the framework that this could be just him using descriptive language in order to, uh, again, communicate a thought, to communicate a message. And that's what, because uh, a lot of the verses he uses are similar to the things that Daniel saw and, and the language that Daniel used. We call it apocalyptic language. Uh, and uh, it, it's because you're, trying to create when the moon turns to blood or whatever. He's not talking about a literal bloody moon. He he just means it's red or whatever, which happens when smoke or whatever. I mean, you can see a red moon, uh, a blood moon, basically on the horizon because of all the pollution in the atmosphere or whatever, <laughs> and looking through it. Same same effect when there was carnage in a, a war. And it may be just for a specific place instead of everywhere. But the but the main thing is this, that uh, he he the vision he was trying to communicate was a message uh, from God, and it's the message that's important. So when you're looking, you're trying to ask, when you're reading Revelation, as you read any part of the Bible, you're trying to say, what is what is God saying through the author uh, that is of, of, that's of importance to me and to his church? Hmm. Cool. Cool, cool. Let's come back and we'll do a couple of questions. All right, we have reached the question and answer segment of the podcast. Boom. We boom. We don't have a ton this time. We're saving some for next week that yeah. we did get because it has a little bit more to do with um, some later in Revelation stuff, of course. I'm sure there are going to be a ton of questions yes. as we get further and further yes. into that. Um, did you want to – I'll start with the question I've had that it has been asked to me actually not just once but many times uh, and uh, from children to adults. And that – the question is simply this. Is God in – hell uh and and that's a a, a multi-layered question uh and the the short answer is yes because god's everywhere there's no place that god is not and god made hell and he didn't make it as a place where he would not dwell uh it was uh, it's it's complicated in the sense that uh he is holy um and so therefore uh, he does not uh, have uh, holiness in his presence, and so he casts it away. Uh, the reason why I say that is because the whole point of heaven is that God uh, created heaven in order to have fellowship with us. But the key there is in the fellowship with us, that in heaven we walk with him in his holiness, and and so we have fellowship, unhindered fellowship within that place, and his wrath is not present. And if you go to hell, it's just the opposite. He has created a place where it is his wrath being played out, uh, yet he is not walking in kindred fellowship with the people who are there. 
And so, uh, I mean, for instance, if, if it were true literally that God could not dwell in a place where there was any type of sin or any type of stain, then He could have never come here, uh, because we got we got plenty of we it. Got enough to go around. We got enough to go around. And so Jesus came and dwelt among us, and so forth. But uh, but so it's I'm not trying to build some dichotomy that His spirit is split in two, but God's a complicated being, so it's uh, just kind of uh, suffice it to say that but uh the the thing about uh, god though and uh, about hell uh that's important to understand is when the bible talks about hell uh, the the literal uh word hades when that's used or sheol in the old testament it's talking about a place for dead people uh, it's not necessarily a place describing a place of punishment as it is just a place where dead people go. Uh, and those were words taken, a Hebrew word more, um, would be closer to what God's trying to say because the, the Greek word Hades, uh, because it's a Greek word and it brings into mind all types of Greek mm-hmm. mythology and so forth that the writers of New Testament are not trying to introduce, but uh, but it's just that's that is the word for the place of the dead. They have their own understanding of the place of the dead, but you still have to use the God's what God has revealed to be the place of the dead. But so when Jesus is saying, uh, "I'm going to build my church here at the gates of hell, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it," he's literally saying that uh, I the church the gates of hell will not prevent me from overcoming death. Uh, that you can't uh, keep him from conquering uh, death and Hades and all that is in it. There's nobody that death contains that Jesus can't set free or liberate. Uh, and uh, a powerful statement. So it's not it's not more like there's a uh, the, that hell is trying to conquer the church. I don't know how I got off on that, but the, that hell is trying to conquer the church. But let me go back and read 139 just to kind of bring some clarity to it uh, because there's a couple of things in here uh, that um, – that are um, that are in this passage uh, that Daniel memorized. Hey, as a child, as a child, teenager, really. That's right, teenager. But we won't in, in, have him do that. Uh, <laughs> he says, uh, "Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. And and, and he's just the psalmist is just simply communicating to us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, inerrancy and infallibility of his word, that God is everywhere. There is nowhere they cannot be. There is no place that you can hide from him. There is no place that he does not exist. He is indeed omnipresent, which means he is everywhere. And just to throw this in as a bonus, uh, he says, For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. So again, creating a communicate an amazing thought that he knows us even as we are being formed in the womb, which is one of the reasons we use that passage to talk about the sanctity of human life, because God says that he knows us uh, from the from the point of conception is uh, we, we say that but really he knows us. He knows us before the point of conception. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but we are we are his in his thought uh and then we come to be and uh and and so we are sacred uh through that whole through the whole process of life there's not a moment where it's just something that can be cast away or or that we can make a decision and i i i i 
we talked a lot about judgment in the last segment. I I can't help but think that the things that we're going through right now are are closely tied to how our disrespect for life, our disrespect for the unborn, uh, for that we've taken the sanctity of life away. And 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 even it is so odd to me that even as we battle to have the right for people to kill themselves, that we're uh, in, in the in the last part of life with, for euthanasia, uh, we're fighting for that legality. And then on the other hand, we're freaked out over a virus that's killing our elderly. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like you, you you're you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth, which mm-hmm. is pretty typical of, of the world. And I and I know their argument for that, but I'm just saying, if you, for those of us who do know God and know His Word and know He is real, you cannot uh, can, cannot think that He would not have a measure of wrath for people who disregard the value of human life. Yeah. Yeah, good. And for those of you who who are wondering the place of place of the dead, like Jewish, Jew, what did they, where are they? Where is Troy coming up with this? Um, if you uh, just recently in the reading that mm. we did, Daniel at the end of Daniel chapter twelve, it does say um, the angel says, "As for you, go your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age." Right. So there's like this time between death and the right. and the end. Uh, so. Yeah. Um, that's what he's talking about. Place of shield, right? That's and I think that word communicates it better than Hades. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think so. And and I I used to say it was uh, think of it like an air conditioned and non air conditioned uh, (laughs) place (laughs) that those who because because if those who had done wrong and those who had had offended God were put in a place of torment, the word tells us that that mm-hmm. you do go to a, immediately to a place where you're being tormented just yeah. not your permanent place right um, for the righteous is more of a restful exactly experience yeah. yep cool 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 did all right you have, did you have any um it, I, it should probably wait till next week cool um, because it, it, we uh, will it hold applies it. and yeah. we, we've we've gone over time anyway so i'm sure so cool all right well thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the flippity flip next week thanks again for listening to the understanding jesus podcast put on by first baptist church of jackson If you would like more information, you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com. You can email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv. Or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook and FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places, and we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways, or you can call the church office at 573-243-8415, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.